0: to Cancer Perspective. Thank you for joining us. This is part two of our conversation with Registered Dietitian Gina Rich. If you haven't listened to part one, we highly recommend that you do. We highly recommend that you listen to all of our episodes with Gina Rich. We have centered our conversation around breast cancer nutrition during Breast Cancer Awareness Month but it contains information that anybody on a cancer journey or even anyone that has had any illness within their lives can benefit from. When we are diagnosing breast cancer, whether it is male or female, all of them go through the same diagnostic process. That includes, is this a hormone, estrogen, progesterone, her 2 nu based cancer, What feeds the cancer? Males can have estrogen-based breast cancer. So when I talk about breast cancer, I'm talking gender neutral. When we talk about nutrition and breast cancer, we know that some body compositions are different. Do you see male versus female nutrition differences?
1: That's a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up. When working with my male breast cancer patients, I obviously will take into consideration that a male body composition is going to be higher in muscle mass typically, not always. And so I take that into consideration when figuring out maybe how much protein they need or when I'm calculating out calorie needs. But the general nutrition guidelines do not change, whether it be a male or female, It's just more so my internal clinical assessment of calorie protein needs. But the end goal and the recommendations will all be the same for my patients. Well said. When you're first
0: diagnosed and you're waiting for all of your tests and results and plan of care to be developed and waiting to start your initial treatment,
1: whatever that might be, what should we be eating at that time? That's a great question. I would say during my initial consultations with patients, the number one question is, should I be eating anything specifically and should I be avoiding anything? In that regard, yes, this is a good time to focus on nutrition. Starting to look at what you normally eat, how your body is responding to that, and building some good behavior changes before treatment may start and cause some disruptions in your daily life and your eating patterns.
0: Building good habits before you start can set your foundation for better healing in the long run, faster healing, and getting back to your normal.
1: Absolutely. So it's all about creating those behavior changes. You may be coming to me as a patient and have eaten a certain way for 40 years of your life and now I'm telling you to add this or do more of this and that may be a difficult task for you. So if we can start these changes now, it's going to be so much easier if it does get rough down the road when it comes to nutrition. The big takeaway with my patients is let's look at the protein in your diet. And the goal is every time you eat a meal, a mini meal, or a snack, have a protein source there and start with that habit. That is going to set you up for success to meet your protein needs when they start to increase pretty rapidly. What I'll do is I'll go through, see what you are eating, and maybe we can work on suggestions of, well, you like pancakes in the morning or maybe have one or two eggs. How about we add a cup of Greek yogurt in the morning and one less pancake? So I'm not taking away, but I'm maybe tweaking and adding to to create a more balanced dietary intake. I never like to be a dietitian that says no to something. I'm all about enjoying your food, but maybe adding that extra protein source in so it's a little bit balanced and better for the body in the long haul. Another point that I do want to make is a lot of times I do see my breast cancer patients deficient in vitamin D. So as a dietitian, I'll look through their chart and you know recent labs and most often if you're set up with like a primary care physician, you usually get like a vitamin D check once a year. If you are by chance low, they'll check it more often as they supplement you. But I do find that they're even on the, the lower end of the normal range. And so we like to kind of up the vitamin D to a nice middle to high level within that normal range where research has shown the most benefit from that just in regards to overall health and reoccurrence risk. Another thing with breast cancer is the inflammation that's going on in the body Specifically, patients that may be overweight and obese, but carry it more in the abdominal or stomach region, there's a lot more inflammation. And so, by adding more omega 3 into someone's diet, that's going to help reduce our inflammation. It's a very healthy fat that is anti inflammatory and has so many other properties. So we want to have a higher range of omega-3 versus omega-6. So 6 is your inflammatory, like it's causing inflammation, things like canola oil and vegetable oil. But things that are anti or non-inflammatory are things like your salmon, your sardines, your sea bass, your tuna, cod and shrimp and lobster have a little bit. Nowadays, they're fortifying a lot of things with omega-3. So even like granola now has omega-3 in it. Obviously, when you can get it from fatty fish, that's the best and loved source from your body because omega-3 is in some nuts and seeds, but it's not in the most absorbable form. So like flaxseed has some, but our body doesn't absorb it quite like it does when it comes from more of our fattier fish adding that into your diet and working with the dietitian to find some good foods that you like is going to be important. For those of you that are vegan, there is an algae form that is absorbed just like the fish. It's because the little fish eat that algae and that's where that's coming from. So even my vegan patients, we can get a good absorbable form from an algae either in your diet or supplemental or both.
0: Oftentimes, breast cancer patients who have very specific types of breast cancer are required to take a pill such as tamoxifen for 5 to 10 years after they've done the rest of their treatment. I recently had somebody ask me about flaxseed and tamoxifen. Can you explain to me what that person was asking and what your recommendations are?
1: So flaxseed is something that's in the lignin family and it's rich in something called alpha linoleic acid and has previously thought to be a concern with interacting with tamoxifen. However, the research found that there was no interaction and that it actually may increase how well tamoxifen will work and be efficient in the body. So even something as little as half a teaspoon per day has been associated with decreased risk of reoccurrence, actually. The only kind of side note I would add to flaxseed, you want to make sure you're serving, you know, that half a teaspoon per day or spread throughout the week, but you want to make sure it's ground flaxseed, actually, or else you don't absorb that alpha linoleic acid. We don't break it down. So it has to be ground up. Fresh ground, like immediately ground, is going to be your most potent form. But me, for ease of life, I just buy pre-ground flaxseed and I sprinkle it in things like oatmeal, overnight oats, yogurt, smoothies. What does ground flaxseed look like? So it almost has what some of my friends call it is like sawdust-like texture. But there's really no flavor profile to it, so you can easily mask it in a lot of things. Just don't go overboard with it because then it gets a little gritty. But I've even put it in homemade meatloaf before, meatballs, things where you're using any type of grain. I've sprinkled it in chili before and just kind of sprinkle it everywhere. And that's how I utilize getting flaxseed in for just general health. But for our breast cancer patients, it might be good to have it out on the counter and incorporate it a little bit to increase how effective that tamoxifen can be. So, Gina, you were going to also talk about hot flashes. Yes. Hot flashes is extremely common with breast cancer patients. A lot of women just become exhausted. They're overwhelmed because of these hot flashes, and it's affecting the quality of their life. A lot of research has shown that taking a vitamin E supplement, the recognized standard dose of about 800, and on it we'll say IU, which stands for international units, but 800 IUs a day has shown to decrease the severity of hot flashes and how often and how frequent that women or men are experiencing them. A lot of the medical oncologists and the providers like Sarah that I work with, we often have that discussion if the patient is reporting hot flashes. And that's a part of like an assessment and follow up is to see, are you experiencing this and what can we do to help make life a little bit better for you? Make sure you report what's happening to your body and stay in tune with your body because we know it can be frustrating, but between nutrition and all the other providers that's on your care team, maybe there's something that can improve your quality of life on a daily basis. That gets you up and gets you moving,
0: keeps your mental health going, and gives you the motivation to get through and thrive during this journey. The journey can also include side effects of treatment that can be things like neuropathy and mouth sores. Can you offer any nutrition pearls of wisdom that can help with the side effects of treatment, whether they are immediate during treatment or long-term side effects?
1: Yes. Side effect management is a big part of my job as a dietitian. Something that seems minuscule like, oh, just the taste of food is a little off to me can actually become quite dangerous to a patient's nutrition status if it's not managed. Often, taste change is a very common side effect that patients report, especially our breast cancer patients and the treatments that they receive. Things start to taste too sweet or actually crave sweets. Some people notice more of a bitter or cardboard or even metallic type taste in their mouth. What I try to tell patients, I'll look at their treatment plan and say, okay, you may notice these taste changes. And with taste change, unfortunately, there's no rhyme or reason. Today, this could taste good. Tomorrow could taste bad. They're going to flip-flop and change, but this is a normal expectation so it's really working one-on-one with the patient and dietitian to figure out, okay, so this doesn't taste good. Let's try this flavor profile. For example, often citrus flavors seem to be more palatable or more enjoyable for patients if you don't have any mouth sores. So I take into consideration that aspect. People get recommended to carry around like hard lemon candies or orange candies or peppermints in their pocket and just keep a bad taste out of their mouth. You may do more of like a oral like baking soda salt solution rinse. One thing I've seen taste change dehydrate people because water tastes bad to them. It just tastes icky. And so if water is tasting bad to you, yet we're telling you to push extra water push your treatment, and eliminate any waste products, that's going to be difficult. And you may end up hospitalized just because of a simple side effect. Adding lemon to water or choosing a flavoring profile or infused waters or Gatorades and Powerades and figuring out which flavor of a water-based decaffeinated solution is going to be good for you and really honing in on that. A lot of times people are like, oh, I hate water right now, but weirdly, I've been drinking a lot of lemonade or the orange juice I had this morning tasted actually decent. I didn't hate it. So that's where your dietician can then give you some recommendations. There's things even out there like juice-based protein drinks nowadays. We have such a wide array of options. So don't feel like you're alone and stuck in this type of battle. We've mentioned
0: so many different things and how nutrition can be tied in to health, wellness, quality of life, to side effect management. I'd like just to mention lymphedema. Lymphedema is a potential side effect of breast surgery. Lymphedema involves lymph nodes being, for lack of a better word, kind of clogged up. Maybe a lot of lymph nodes have been removed during the surgical procedure to treat breast cancer. Those lymph nodes can be anywhere from in the upper chest to the armpit area. So if you have backup in this natural flowing system, you can get this swelling that's unique to the lymph system that's called lymphedema or lymph swelling, edema being the word for swelling. And when that happens in breast cancer, oftentimes we see the arm on the affected side of the breast swelling up, and it can be hard to manage and it can be a lifelong problem. As a dietitian, do you have any wisdom to expound on about lymphedema and how nutrition or protein can play a part in the health of your lymph system?
1: I'm glad you brought that up, Sarah. Nutrition can and is a part of someone that has lymphedema. You mentioned the word protein, and I know we say it all the time, but protein is actually very important in this regard. So a patient, say they're done with surgery, done with treatment, but they have lymphedema, they are going to need still a slightly higher protein amount daily than what they were needing prior to diagnosis. By adding more protein into the diet, it has shown to reduce the excess arm volume. And a lot of studies also showed that when a patient was working with a dietitian, and if the patient presented maybe at a higher body weight than what the ideal amount is, or they had a higher amount of fat mass present, meaning, you know, you maybe carried more fat than muscle, and if you lost weight in a healthy fashion working with your dietitian, losing weight healthily by having adequate protein, the research showed quite a bit of a reduced excess arm volume with the lymphedema. That makes it easier and more receptive to your physical therapy that you're undergoing. So a lot of times if a patient had lymphedema, they may be referred to the physical therapist, but also the dietitian to get that protein in their body. So it gets to all the cells and all the areas of the body it needs to.
0: Earlier in this episode, we mentioned nausea and vomiting. Although we've made great strides in the medication profile in order to prevent vomiting, we still have people who experience these issues or take medications to keep their nausea and vomiting under control. It seems that if your stomach is upset, nutrition would play a role in helping manage their symptoms.
1: Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. I would absolutely agree with Sarah the strides in the management of nausea, vomiting. As a side note, a lot of patients with a spouse that had cancer years ago and sees their spouse undergoing treatment, really, we've made quite a drastic change in the management of it thankfully due to a lot of medications but as with most some medications come with a little bit of a side effect that we want to monitor for so in regards to nausea medications part of my assessment as a dietitian is to ask about your nausea vomiting and see okay are you on any of these medications and i ask that for a couple reasons The biggest reason is if you're frequently utilizing these with relief, right? They're working. That's great. You may start to become constipated, okay? So we want to monitor how often you're having a bowel movement and maybe I'll get into what that bowel movement looks like. What is your normal? My normal routine may be only I go and have a bowel movement once a day, but Sarah may go every three days, right? Everyone's a little different. I want to figure out what's your baseline and how off track are we? How long has it been since you've had a good bowel movement? Was it difficult to come out? Are you using anything to assist with it, such as over-the-counter things like Miralax or stool softeners? All that will become addressed because that can also affect your eating. If you're really bound up, you're going to feel very uncomfortable and not want to eat. So then you may get dehydrated, lose weight, and you see where I'm going with this. Nausea and vomiting obviously will impact what types of foods you're going to want to choose and should choose. So if you're super nauseous, you're not going to want to go out and have fried chicken and french fries and a big large chocolate chip cookie dough milkshake. That's going to really sound maybe unappealing and tear up your stomach and cause you to become sick. You want something light. Think of when you've had the flu or your children or someone has had the flu and you maybe do toast. But then you want to make sure you have protein with it. So I always recommend toast and peanut butter. Small portions, foods that maybe don't have a smell to them or have a very powerful smell, more room temperature foods will be less triggering because the whole you smelling something does have an effect of your nausea and your stomach. If someone's cooking, stay out of the kitchen so you don't become turned off before you go sit down and eat a meal. Even these simple little things can make a difference in you getting to your nutrition goals at the end of the day. One thing, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about my favorite product that I have seen amazing results with for our patients.
0: Let me guess, Enterade. I love it too.
1: Yes, I am absolutely thrilled about the results that I'm seeing and the improvements in my patients by using this product. Sarah just said it. Enterade kind of sounds like Gatorade, but it's definitely not the same thing. It is spelled E-N-T-E-R-A-D-E.
0: This is not a sponsored podcast.
1: It is not at all. Basically, Enterade is a water-based beverage with a little hint of flavor in it, but it's actually labeled as a medical beverage it has shown outstanding results in a variety of side effects. And it was developed for cancer patients and for those undergoing treatments that cause side effects such as dehydration, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, and fatigue. And that just hit like the big five ones. And most cancer patients experience one or more of those symptoms. How it works is it's actually made up of something called amino acids, basically what makes up protein. It's a certain formulary version of different amino acids in different amounts. When you get chemotherapy or have radiation done in your human body, you have this lining, a mucosal lining, we call it. They start from your head and go all the way down to the bottom of your digestive tract. And it gets damaged, inflamed, irritated, and it's hard to recover or rebuild that lining. Oftentimes, the symptoms can be a result of that and worsen over time if the body is not fed the correct components to heal that lining and create healthy tissues and cells. This drink basically created this product where you drink it on an empty stomach and it goes directly to that damaged lining system and helps rebuild it and get you stronger, thus reducing the severity of your side effects. A lot of my patients have noticed benefit and improved side effect management with the use of this product. I've even recommended it to friends and family dealing with diarrhea and things like that. It's really meant to go heal, especially that gut component, which is where that nausea and vomiting is stemming from, essentially. If you don't have a dietitian access, try and get one to go through this. But the protocol behind it is to make sure you take it on an empty stomach, and that's because you want it absorbed directly You don't want anything to reduce those little amino acids getting in there and getting to the job that they're meant to do. I actually have my oncology patients take it maybe like two days before treatment, twice a day, and then you use it until your symptoms resolve, ebb and flow with the use of it depending on the timeline of your treatment cycles, but definitely work with a provider on the use of it. And reach out to a dietician for more information on this product if you're interested. But honestly, a lot of patients have come to me and asked me about it because it's becoming so popular, word of mouth, Facebook, before I can even get a chance to recommend it. Do you need a prescription for it? That's another great point, Sarah. You can buy it. It's not an over-the-counter product. So if you're not an online shopper, Find a friend or family member that maybe can order it for you, but you can get it straight from the website or on Amazon. I live in Illinois, and most insurances do not cover it as a prescription. Some insurances allow like a reimbursement form that your provider can fill out. You can call the company, and they can help walk you through if it is too pricey. It's not the cheapest thing, unfortunately. But it so improves the quality of life and lessens the need for IV fluids and just really helps someone stay nourished throughout this process.
0: You mentioned the mucous membranes. When they do get inflamed, like you said, we call that mucositis or inflammation of the mucous membranes. This can happen from your top of your head near the sinuses. Your eyes can be irritated. Your mouth can be irritated, like you said, all the way through your digestive tract. And there's many ways as a provider that I can offer some medications to soothe the problems.
1: What dietary options can we be thinking about? In regards to mucositis, This is where Sarah and I would also, again, work hand in hand on with patients. We would let both her and I know that this is an ongoing problem because we want to have medication interventions, but also dietary changes. So changes in what you're eating so it's less irritating. Say it's in your mouth. It's really inflamed and it's tender and sore. You're not going to want to eat dry, crunchy things like a Trisket cracker. That's going to hurt and be very tender. You want soothing things, non-acidic. This is where you say maybe not the lemon drops this time. Exactly. So if you have mucositis and taste change, we would say no to lemon drops and maybe choose something else, more of like a soothing ginger drop or maybe a peppermint, like a light peppermint. Or doing that oral baking soda rinse too, you would take out the salt if that's very irritating sometimes too. So we would make adjustments based on which side effect and other side effect you have. With the mucositis, you want to avoid acidic type food. So your orange juice, your tomato juice, marinara sauce, those types of things, things that are spicy Those are going to be very irritating, not only in your mouth, but the things that you can't see or feel, the lining in your digestive tract, we want to be sensitive to that. So a bland, more of a bland diet, sometimes temperature can be an issue for patients. Really hot foods or even really cold foods can be very triggering. You may have to change room temperature water versus super cold water. And so we really have to focus on little nitpicky changes, but that can help and allow your body to heal and recover. And that EnterAid product would also be very beneficial in healing it too. So I would pair that with medication and nutrition alterations to help manage that mucositis. Sometimes, Sarah, have you ever seen the mucositis where the patients then get the really thick saliva kind of build up in their mouth sometimes? We talked a little bit about this during our head and neck nutrition. You did a really
0: good job of explaining that thick, yucky, unpalatable mucus that can affect everything that a patient does. But a breast cancer patient that has severe mucositis can also have this problem. You have taken us from diagnosis before treatment through systemic treatment and all sorts of different side effects for patients undergoing treatment for breast cancer. What happens after breast cancer treatment is done, their survivorship portion of a patient's journey?
1: When a patient is in survivorship mode now, their nutrition journey is not complete. That's actually an optimal time for us to amplify how much we are working on nutrition in your diet. It's a great thing to schedule a survivorship nutrition appointment. Most places are going to have our survivorship appointment with your providers, and you want one with your dietitian too. Nutrition is a huge part of managing your health post-treatment. As a dietitian, there's a couple of things that I like to focus in on in regards to survivorship. A lot of my patients come to me and say, Okay, I'm ready to lose weight. I love that you're ready for that right now. And it's a great time for us to focus on nutrition right now. But to get to that weight loss, that healthy weight loss journey and point, that end goal, We actually have to develop some good behavior and good skills and strategies when it comes to food. And I want to also create a loving, healthy relationship with food and it to not be a fear monger in your lives because you've been through enough, so many other things going on in life that I don't want nutrition to be a barrier for you. In that regard, I work with patients on creating some behavior changes and goal setting. Ultimately, we look at how are you recovering, first off, any lingering side effects that we want to kind of manage or keep an eye on, making sure that we're always taking in consideration our bone health, especially after treatment, but also including some more fruits and vegetables in our diet. The American diet, we can be limited on fruits and vegetables and they're inconsistent. We could be really good one day and not so great on including them the next. And I wanna create that consistency component. That's where you get the most bang for your buck when it comes from nutrition. I wanna teach you how to have fun with incorporating a variety of fruits and vegetables. I also wanna teach you how to incorporate some plant based proteins instead of always being focused on meat plant-based diet is something that is recommended not only for all cancer survivors but really hones in on with our breast cancer survivors. We want to reduce as much as possible red or processed meats, adding some more omega-3 rich foods like your fatty fish like salmon and sardines So there's a lot of things we can work on in regards to survivorship nutrition. But remember, take it one task at a time. It's not going to be a realistic change if you totally alter your diet and flip it upside down. Ask yourself, are you going to manage that for the next five years of your life? If not, seek out a dietitian that can help you create and build lifelong lasting changes that are going to improve your nutrition and help with any other current or future comorbidities that you may develop. Gina, we
0: really, really love it when you join our podcast. Today's conversation has included some additional pearls of wisdom that are new to me. And I am sure that our audience is very appreciative of your knowledge. Not everybody is fortunate to have a Gina in their corner. There are some oncology or cancer programs that don't include a dietitian. What kind of resources would you direct a breast cancer patient to?
1: That's a good point. Unfortunately, not everyone has direct access to a dietitian or a dietitian that maybe has worked with cancer for numerous years. An organization that I belong to is called the Oncology D as in dog, P as in pony, and G as in grape. So the Oncology DPG If you go to their website, you will find great articles, webinars, and resources for cancer patients, a lot of debunking of myths that are out there, such as breast cancer and soy, sugar, and cancer fear. I often send a lot of my patients there, my interns there, so they get that basic education on those big fears that are out there. I would also send people to a website called Living Beyond Breast Cancer, great survivor website, directly about breast cancer nutrition, as well as Cleveland Clinic and Mayo Clinic and Memorial Sloan Kettering has oncology dietitians create articles for breast cancer patients and the nutrition behind it. So that's where I like to direct my patients. And then they can start research gathering there versus Dr. Google.
0: Gina, we are so thrilled to have had you and your wisdom once again.
1: We're looking forward to the next time you can join us as well. Sarah, thank you again for having me. I always look forward to coming back and speaking on nutrition with you. This podcast has been so beneficial for so many friends, family, patients, and that you are doing an amazing job. I can't wait to come back. And to everyone out there, happy Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Take Take care and and spread kindness. kindness.